0: Even going from a market where you're trading a one-bed condo for a 1,200-square-foot, two, three-bedroom on a 50-foot lot, still people are going like, well, I thought I'd get a little bit more.
1: Welcome to the Tom Story Show with Steve Karish and Tom Story, where we discuss everything real estate or whatever else is on our minds.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Tom Story Show, your weekly real estate roundup podcast. I appreciate you being back here. If you show up every single week, please make sure to subscribe and join our growing community. The next goal is hitting 5,000 subscribers. And if you laugh or just learn anything new at all today or Steve says something that you disagree with, give this video a like. See, that's how we get more likes, okay? If you disagree with Steve, you give the video a like. If you're listening on the audio platforms, hope you're having a wonderful day. Anders Fredrickson has joined the show from REMAX in Winnipeg. He's a third generation realtor. He's one handsome devil and we're excited to have him here today. What's going on, man? How are you?
2: I'm doing well. How are you, fellas?
0: We're doing good. I was telling Steve, I've got contractors upstairs in my house right now and I had to run down here. I was like, please just be quiet. They're not doing work, but they're taking a look at everything and... uh, I'm waiting to hear what the quote's going to be so I can share it on this show. And Steve can tell me how dumb I am for upgrading my house. Because spending money is a bad thing is is what I've been told by Steve.
1: No, I got a contractor too right now. He's coming in a couple of days and we're going to start some stuff. Interesting point though. The contractor Uh who I've been trying to get to my house for ages phoned me to see if he They checked in with you. Yeah. I haven't been able to get him going in a while
0: hmm so maybe people aren't spending so much on renovations anymore well i don't know because this morning even with the guys upstairs right now they're like we just want to let you know that we're not we're not not getting back to you about start date it's just we have this other project i'm like oh my god when the hell is this going to happen um yeah. i said blinds installed yesterday Sort of bore you honors to, no, to start cool. the show here i had blinds installed yesterday steve from the day i decided this is something i'd like to do to coming in and measuring to ordering and showing up and being delivered, it was about one and a half months. Mm. That's not terrible, is it? I think it, it wasn't so much the person the doing it, it was the it was the ordering and waiting for the shipment. Apparently, like from December 15th to the new year, any service provider just shuts their doors and then mm. then you can only put in the order after January 1st or something. But no cords, right? What kind of blinds did you get? No, no, no cords. cords I know how it no works cords. now. Can't
2: do cords, nope.
0: Yeah. No, I'm actually very happy with what they did, but uh, enough about uh, my renovation struggles here. Anders, what's going on in Winnipeg, man? We've never had a guest from Winnipeg on the show. We're excited to have you here. We've known each other for h- how long has it been now?
2: It's got to be close to 10 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Over eight for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely over eight. You were one of our, me and Steve tell tell the audience that we have a lot of paid friends in real estate, that we paid to be a part of something, to be friends with them, and you fall
2: in that category. Yes, um yeah, yeah, we pay somebody to be friends with a whole bunch of great people. So, so pretty good arrangement for him.
0: <laughs> yeah, for Rich it's a great arrangement. It's good <laughs> stuff, Rich. Um okay, so let's start with the most important question. Um about a month ago, the Leafs played the Jets back to back and we beat you both times and it felt good. And I think there's this hatred brewing between our hockey teams which was never there before. What's the thought process on someone on the other side, on the losing
2: side of the last two games? How are we feeling? (laughs) You know, um, there's a lot of Leafs fans in Winnipeg, Mm -hmm. so I think when the Jets lose to the Leafs here at home, there's about 50% of the people in attendance who are still happy.
0: Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Not Not bad then. Not me,
2: personally. Um, Yeah.
0: But, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, fair enough. All right. Enough about the hockey teams. What's going on in your market? Me and Steve have been talking about the fact that activity has picked up for us. Things are happening. Not in by the way, Steve, not now that the numbers are official. Not an average sale price. We actually went down from the end of last year in January for average sale price. However, inventory went down and transactions went up. What did you see, Steve? And then we'll get to honors.
1: Uh we're rocking and rolling. We had a way above average. January. How so. much did the average price go up? Average price went up, uh, like fifty thousand bucks last month. What about um, benchmark? Because that's the 30, one you like, right? Benchmark didn't move. Benchmark didn't. Move. Aha, aha. Right. And so in, for all those people that hate me talking about benchmark, uh, I'm saying the market should be flat. But now you're saying the market is going good because average apparently is
0: the one people need to use. so I don't think so. What's going on in Winnipeg? Are things picking up from the, at the end of last year?
2: Yeah, they are. Um act like number of active listings is up. Um, our average sale price is up ten percent from last year, um ten percent from last January, right? COVID-19. okay, so
0: year over year Clearly, yeah, not from December yet. yeah yeah
2: <laughs> um, but we did see a significant amount of activity you know in the last three weeks of December. um bunch of stuff that was like yeah. sitting on the market a um, couple of properties sitting on the market got multiple offers you know in after. the last few weeks of December mm-hmm. yeah. So weird. There's just a lot more optimism now, right? Like, you know, not a statistic, but you know, just in having conversations with people, mm. and and I do a lot of new home construction sales, and so I've got a lot of you know sort of just walk up kind of conversations happening, and there are so many more people now who are um, excited and optimistic about the prospect of, of building a new home or, or buying a home. And for the longest time, they've been sitting on the fence.
0: Right? And are they when, telling you why they're excited? Is there like a specific thing that's making them go,
2: well, now they we might like be a it?
0: Little,
2: yeah, they might be a little misinformed. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're thinking about uh, rate cuts, um, uh, which, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen as quickly as some people might think. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, Tiff Macklem, uh, there was an article this morning, uh, and he said that, uh, you know, Bank of Canada doesn't have as much control over the housing market as people think. They don't have the ability to influence it as much as some some might think, right? Um, I think it was 1.8% of inflation right now is shelter-related costs, right? And that means that, uh, you know, I I can't remember where we are in terms of um, inflation numbers right now, but we... Have a significant amount of overall inflation that's related to housing.
0: Oh, for sure. The you look at just the rental costs, and then it's just interesting. Like if you look at what's happened in the last what? How long has it been now? Is it been twenty months? Twenty four? I don't even know how long it's been since the first rate hike. We're almost twenty twenty one. Yeah, we're almost two years. Like it's almost been Mm -hmm. two years. So the cycles played out, and all the money that I guess was going into entertainment or vacations or all the other things that people do. That money is now just being moved into your house payment because you're just paying more for the same thing you had before. I don't know. I I guess though that solves the overall inflation and that's what we we needed to happen. And Steve, people need to stop taking these silly vacations and taking their kids to Disney. So you wouldn't be doing that, would you, Steve?
1: I'm doing my first one. Chill, chill. It's <laughs> it's okay. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to enjoy my life and stop paying my bills and liabilities and responsibilities here tom no uh i have a question though so if you're working sales centers and so Mm -hmm. in a sales center a lot of people don't understand it's more like a store than it is real estate sales right so you're going to have usually a subdivision or are you doing infill yeah so subdivisions uh, so you're doing a subdivision you're going to have people walking in these people walking in are they locals or are you guys having the same
2: issue where everybody from other provinces is coming and screwing up your whole market. It's not so much um, other provinces as other countries, right? Oh, like wow. the majority of of new home purchasers in our marketplace are not—they're not, not third-generation Canadian, right? Uh, okay, um, so they're newcomers. They have a preference for new housing. Um, we have a lot of old housing stock in Winnipeg, so the the prospect of you know a home built in 1915. Which there are many of um, might be a little bit um, outside of the normal for somebody coming from Punjab or sure. somebody coming from Nigeria, right? Um, so they have a preference for new, and that's a huge amount of the of the purchasers of new build for sure.
0: What's the premium like if I'm buying a new built house, same square footage as you know one of these homes built in you know 1910 or whatever? what what's it costing me for that versus the old home like you, is it a big premium to buy something brand new
2: it's not huge um part of that though is the fact that the new construction options are available in subdivisions that aren't as central ah, right yeah. so those neighborhoods aren't um you know old growth trees tons of services really popular you know uh young urban professional neighborhoods right they're more um I need to get into a car and drive five minutes, you know, for for anything, right? Um, so, but there is still a premium, even if you look at new versus five years old,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, same product built by the same builder, you know, four or five streets away, uh, and so you know people will pay a bit more, and it makes sense uh, to pay a bit more so that they can choose their own finishes, right, and select their own lot. They want to face a certain way. Right. You know, all those things in uh, in Toronto, when
0: when new home construction goes up, like and I mean, like houses, not condos, because it's not it's not very often it happens. And when it happens, it's kind of outside the city. There's literally like people waiting in line overnight to make sure that they can buy one of these properties because they're only building so many, you know, for the for the developers you're representing in Winnipeg from like, OK, we're doing this to selling out. Are the houses already built? Are you selling anything on floor plans and specs and then they're building them? Like, what's the time?
2: Are people waiting to buy these things or is it kind of a grind to sell these? So we do typically sell based on floor plan. and lot. Okay. So we don't do a lot of, you know, inventory building, right? We don't do a lot of speculative construction is a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there was a period of time uh, in late 2020 through 2021, the whole year, basically, and into the early part of 2022, where we had waiting lists, right? Mm. So a a developer will service, you know, 100 lots in a specific phase. Um, There will be, you know, eight builders or whatever, and they have their allocation of lots, right? And let's say we have, I don't know, 20 lots Um, at any given time during that period of time in most of our developments we had a waiting list of 40 45 people so i've got they all new canadians
0: or investors from ontario or bc Or like who are they locals a little bit of
2: investors from from ontario and bc um but it was mostly still end users okay the investors didn't really start kind of um you know entering our marketplace until late 21 early 22. So there were a couple of months there where, you know, we um, as a home builder had no lots except in the one development in the entire city. Wow, Uh, there were 30 lots in this development. Uh, We had um, had them for a while. Uh, There were other neighborhoods that were moving more quickly. And um, we ran into a, a, you know, position where there was just nothing else to purchase and we did 30 sales in 10 15 days um and it was basically just you know agent would uh reach out to me and say okay i have these clients i've got two or i've got three of them they're looking for this kind of thing mm. right um they like this plan um you know what lots do you have okay great you know they want very limited in terms of upgrades like they want these four things and when can we you know Send it for DocuSign.
0: So these people are not even showing up to look at where this is located.
2: The agent's just saying, this is what we want. Let's build this thing. These individuals, yeah, that was the case at that time. Now, it is not that way at all. When was right. that? Was that like, that was when the craziness was happening? February was that be- 22. Okay,
0: so just, just before the, mm-hmm. uh, the beginning of rate hike Armageddon. Um- mm-hmm. And then everything <laughs> fell off a cliff. <laughs> right. And then did right. anyone try to walk away to anyone that bought just before? And they're like, oh, shit. Hey, agents, a clean and easy to manage
1: real estate website is a must. Go to realteeninjacom slash Tom right now and start your site totally for free and pay nothing until you launch. And then when it is your time to go live, you will save 20% off of your entire first year just for signing up at RealtyNinja.com slash Tom.
2: Yeah, we did have a couple. um then those were the out-of-province investors Mm -hmm. right always they didn't close lost you know 40 or 50 grand uh deposits but they i guess looked at it and said i don't want to close on something that in my opinion is worth a lot less 60 70 80 grand less than i paid and when you guys resold those
0: ones yeah did you get significantly less and then were the original purchasers kind of like well what the hell guys like you know we paid this and now you're reselling these ones was
2: there any issues there Yeah, there, there were some that were resold for a good amount less mm-hmm. um, there were some that were sold for around the same price okay um, yeah so just depending on you know how far finished they were what kind of possession date somebody needed um you know, typically, um, if something is available for a quick possession in the new build space, um, we can get a bit of a premium, right? Because, you know, people need to move
0: Steve, in the absence
2: you... of a whole bunch of other supply, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Steve, yeah. this would be an interesting conversation because I, I didn't actually know that you were this involved with the new build side of things. We We talked about on a recent episode that Steve, you went in with a client and got the contract from the builder. And was reading through and basically was like, Well, i why am I telling your story? Steve, you tell it. Do you yeah, know what I'm talking uh, about here? Do you know where I'm going with this? I think so. Yeah. These the new, contracts new from the developer. Contracts are they ask for your next your next child's naming rights, and, and if you say no, cross that out. They're like, Nope. If it's not ours, see you later. Are did you are you experienced in that, or are they a little bit have some leeway in your market to make changes if people are purchasing?
2: Um you know, I would say that the new build contracts that we work with are pretty uh, cut and dry. Like, there's not a lot of um, there's not a lot of uh, you know tricky language. Let's call it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, there are things that uh, builders can't guarantee. You know, possession dates are one of them. It's very difficult to yeah, you know that's... guarantee this day. However, you know, most of the builders uh, do hit things relatively on the head um there are sometimes delays of course right um it is subject to um you know independent legal review like it's a standard condition that we include make sure that everybody has the opportunity to do that is it 10 days for you guys like it is for us between purchase and- yeah t- uh two weeks yeah 10 or oh, weeks days yeah yeah 10 business days for um you know uh lawyers approval of the contract itself um i the way that sort of i operate is you know when we've got a lot reserved like we work a little bit differently we'll shelve a lot for somebody for 30 days okay and work on because we do so many modified floor plans um so somebody will come in and they'll say i like this plan but i don't need the main floor bedroom you know i want to do a mud room or is there any way i can get a spice kitchen right like these are the the things that everybody's requesting right now is main floor bedroom full bathroom side entry door to the basement spice kitchen right um and that's because we have multi-generational families we're potentially mm. thinking about maybe renting the basement or having family live down there um we want to have a second kitchen because we don't want to use the primary kitchen and you know have the home smell like cooking right um so well, that's anyway, when you so- know you've made it eh?
0: Yeah, I'm going to yeah. cook in my second kitchen today. I don't want to see He sounds that. like
1: he just described a Surrey
2: house. This is all we build here now.
0: Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Well, And, you and it's because... It when you... Sorry, go, Sorry
2: for it. no, um, go for it. Sorry, buddy. You know you've made it when you have quartz countertops in your second kitchen yes. that's in the pantry. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like once you upgrade from the laminate builder base, you know, counters, then you're yeah. really flush. I always but just assumed in Toronto
1: happening tom is you we do have such a big community usually northern indian like you were saying punjabi families who are very large and um you're getting yeah secondary kitchens for sure um and everything is is top notch and now when i go into a sales center here when they refer to like a three bed three bath or four bed four bath they're only talking about the top floor right So they're only, no, 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 but not like your half bath on the main doesn't count now because that's just a given. Mm -hmm. The question is, is there a bathroom for every single bedroom in the entire house? And that's how they're being built here now. And it sounds like that expectation is being now translated, according to Anders, translated across the country because we do have so many people that are coming from other cultures with bigger families or different living styles, right? It's like when somebody comes from uh a, a Chinese city or Asian city, trying to sell them wood frame construction in BC is near impossible because they don't have that there. Mm-hmm. It's all concrete all the time. So if I have somebody that's new to Canada, just got their PR and they're from Taiwan, guess what, guys? They're buying for sure concrete high rise. 100% mm-hmm. they are. So it's just like it, it's interesting to this. hear that that is translating across all the way from vancouver which is closer to those countries now across the country into into winnipeg
2: well and it makes sense because that is what purchasers from that demographic are accustomed to Hmm. right is what they're comfortable with um and um those clients from a new home perspective are a large part of the marketplace right and so we as builders look at it and say okay what are the features that you know, we need in the homes that we are or the the models that we're developing right for the future. And so huge uh, things are, can we get a side entry door on, you know, all of our plans going forward? Hmm. Um, is there, you know, a way to have a spice kitchen or a larger pantry or whatever, right? So, yeah. And these types of properties. So, so give
0: me an idea. So if I'm, if I'm listening to this podcast, say, and I'm thinking like, okay, I know someone in Winnipeg or maybe I'm moving there. Maybe we want to buy something as an investment and maybe we'll go down that path next in terms of does this even make sense for an investment. How many square feet are these homes and how much do they cost?
2: Mm -hmm. So the average probably size that we're selling right now are in and around 2000 square feet. Okay. So the way that we count square footage is we don't count the basement right? here. And I know it varies like from province to province. Um, So main floor and second floor, That's your square footage, not the basement, not the garage, right? Mm -hmm. So around 2000, most will have a main floor bedroom and a full bathroom. We'll have three bedrooms or four bedrooms and some kind of secondary living space upstairs. Like a loft is what we call it. Bonus room, whatever. Um, And those are six to 625. Mm -hmm. Land in, GST in, you know, um, well finished, like not fully upgraded, but good specs.
0: But brand new house for six twenty-five. And if if I'm looking at a century home that's similar square footage, maybe you could argue, argue better location based on when it was built. What's that costing me in Winnipeg? Like what's the delta? Maybe not I don't I get it won't be as big or have as many features, but like what is the average price for that?
2: It can be actually relatively similar, depending okay. on the neighborhood. Um if it's in a neighborhood that is not one of our, you know, three or four most desirable, um, then you'll probably see anywhere from, you know, fifty to seventy-five thousand dollar difference. Um, so there is a premium on on the new, but there's also a premium on those infill building lots, or there's a premium on, you know, the the underlying land value of those homes that are more central. Right. Right. The the 34 foot wide building lots that we build, you know, a lot of these homes on that are 140, 150 grand. hmm um, In certain communities that are more central, more um, walkable, more established, you know, those are two hundred thousand plus.
0: Steve, I saw you shaking your head when he said the price. Is that in disbelief of how low it is, or the fact that Winnipeg costs six hundred fifty grand to buy a new house, and that all of Canada is expensive now?
1: You know, how do I translate that? So if I go okay, two thousand up, so that's that's what twelve hundred on the main, maybe eleven hundred on the main. Mm-hmm. And then nine up, something like that, so that's another thousand down. So, if I go thirty one hundred square foot detached house here, brand new, I'm thinking one eight, yeah, where I am one eight easy, three times, so like the number you just gave me is a two bedroom apartment, um seven hundred square feet. And so i 45 wh- minutes outside the city.
0: It's a one-plus den in Toronto downtown for a condo. 650 is a good one-plus den with parking. So
1: why don't we all live in Winnipeg? Other than the Bombers suck. Other than that, like what?
2: Hmm. <laughs> well, um, you know, the, the, the weather is maybe one of them. Um, you know, it's a little colder here. Um, is think- it that
0: much colder there? Is it really that big of an issue? Or do we just kind of bring that up because it's the easiest thing to say like if you're coming from Nigeria though
1: like that's a big (laughs) difference I would assume like you got all these Nigerian guys moving in going oh yeah I love six feet of snow and mosquitoes the size of dogs this is great
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know what I mean for our clients like from northern India it's not that that drastic you know they do have have winters for sure Um, I think part of the reason is you know there is more to do in Toronto there is more to do in the you know greater Vancouver area uh, than there is here. Um, I think there's there are more job opportunities in general, uh, but I don't think that the average person living in the Fraser Valley you know has has earnings that are three times the average Winnipeg family. Hmm. right. So when we talk about like shelter cost, relative to you know family income um i think that yeah it, it's it's a very good value right and we're seeing that like even though we have very high taxes property uh, property taxes right what about income relative. tax um income tax is not Are you guys better, better than, than ontario that. and bc or not really i think no, we're same? slightly better than ontario okay um i don't know the the comparable or i don't yeah. know the comparison with bc Okay. Uh, but I think from a personal income tax perspective, we are a little bit more favorable than Ontario.
0: And is there jobs? Are are people yeah. coming there for jobs or are they coming there for better living
2: prices in terms of what it costs to buy a house and then getting the job? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a mixture of both, right? Um, there are better living costs here. So we do see some clients, especially newcomers, who you know lived in the GTA for a period of time and they said, wow, I'm like never going to be able to, you know, purchase a home here. Um, and they're moving to a market like ours or they're moving to a market like, you know, um, everybody's moving to Calgary right now. Right. Average price is around 100 grand more. Still quite uh, favorable, right, compared to uh, Vancouver and, and Toronto for sure. Um, but yeah, they are moving for affordability and and there are jobs, right? Like we are a logistics hub. Um, so we do see significant, uh, jobs in trucking, uh, logistics, you know, things to do with rail transport. Um, we are though, you know, very much a government, um, or let's say public employee, um, is, is a large amount of the people who, who live in Winnipeg for sure.
0: Do you guys have, um, more homeless issues now than you did previously? Like, is that something that you notice if you go downtown? Is that... Is it worse now than it's been before? I, I went out, um, uh, Steve, I don't yesterday for lunch with Chris Light, and we went to this new restaurant at the very top of the well development. If you, I think it's called Area. I'm probably saying it wrong. Amazing views of the entire city. And we're like standing up there, looking out and being like, this is spectacular. I'm like taking pictures. And I kind of moved my camera over and looked down. And there's a park, a very central park, just filled with tents. And it was like really sad. I I didn't realize I used to walk my dog through that park all the time. I had no idea it had gotten that bad. And then we talked about it on a recent episode that I was in Ottawa and like I couldn't believe what downtown was like. You know, I've seen what it's like in Vancouver, obviously. I know what it's like in Toronto. Are you guys, is it everywhere now? Is it, is it an issue everywhere?
2: Yeah, we have, we have the same uh, issue, you know, and it's, um, it's not quite as evident right now based on the weather. I see. Right, just cuz it's a little colder. Yeah. Um, you know, cities like Vancouver, a little bit more uh, temperate, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, people over the over the winter, you will see out and about more. Um, but definitely in the warmer months here. Yeah, there's there's a number of tents in in, you know, some central locations uh within the city. Um, so, and did that start
0: not not start, but did it did it become more clear? During it, yeah, the it's pandemic. Been
2: exacerbated yeah. During yeah, by the pandemic for sure. Um, it was not as evident before. You know, there mm-hmm. were definitely still we we did have, you know, a significant um issue with those who are unhoused, right? Um, but not to the extent that we have now. And it, or at least it, it is much more apparent now, right? Yeah to the average person who's, you know, driving their vehicle through downtown
0: and on the rental side of things like what is it i don't know if you do a ton of rentals or just have an idea what's going on but like we know that there's a we've actually had some comments on our on this podcast saying like you guys talk too much about investment and whatever like like I'm a renter, I want to buy a house. like help me, give me some right. advice. Um, are people renting in winnipeg is there Is there a huge delta like in Toronto? Yes, rent's super expensive, but owning still costs way more on a monthly basis, like just based on where rates are at right
2: now, what's it like for you guys? Not as big a delta, okay, so, so it's just the um, down payment, yeah, so it's a down payment issue typically when we're renting um you know when you look at the spread between a mortgage payment and a rental um payment it's it's really really not that substantial um now you got to factor in other costs of owning that property property taxes and everything else but still um, it is much better long term right to own that property you know we, we all know that um the um viewpoint that you know your your first residence could be owned by you is still very much a case in winnipeg okay Okay. so 22 23 26 year old kid living in mom and dad's basement okay can go out and purchase a property and you know those are thousand or you know 1200 square foot bungalows built in 1955 that may or may not have been updated and they're three 50, you know, 325. If they're really nice, they're 400 grand.
0: Hmm.
2: Right. So it is possible to get into the market. And then if you look at, you know, what your mortgage payment is on that, even at today's rates, there's not a massive spread between renting. For tenant, landlord, or homeowner insurance policies, go to
1: squareone.ca slash the Tom Story Show. Use the link in the description. Save $20 when you start your free quote right now.
0: What are those, so so let's say, so you said 325, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you put down 20%, right? You, you buy that, you get the 5.5% mortgage, whatever it ends up being, like, I'd I, I have to do that. I can't do this math live here, but mm-hmm. if you then rented it out immediately, I know I'm going back mm-hmm. to the investment side of things because that's mm-hmm. where my mind goes. Yeah. Are, are these things cash flowing with 20% down? Do you get cash, is cash flow properties a thing still? Or is every market yep. in Canada now that's gone?
2: You no, know, there are cash flow properties. They exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to find a pretty good deal. Right. Right. They're not they're not everywhere. But um, you know, for instance, I have clients uh who are they basically purchase to rehab and then rent is sort of their investment strategy. And okay. we closed well, we we contracted on one this past week. We closed in April. Um, that home was purchased at three hundred and forty five thousand. It's a 1,250 square foot two-story built in 1915. Okay, um, so it's a two-bed up, um, you know, uh, one full bath up. Main floor is just open living space, kitchen. Uh, the basement is a um, poured concrete basement that has been, uh, you know, steel reinforced, like they've done, um, you know, bracing. Right, so it may scare off some potential end-user purchasers. Okay. But for clients like mine, who've done that work themselves and understand that it has been done correctly with the permits, um, you know, they're not scared of it. So we purchased that at 345. They're pretty confident that they can get about 22, 2250 in rent on it. And he worked backwards from a 5% cap rate. He's very happy with mm-hmm. that, with that purchase. And he could not have purchased, you know, cause there was another home around the corner that needed all of those improvements because those improvements were all done in the last year right right windows kitchen flooring baseboards doors bathroom the foundation work shingles exterior balconies everything um could not have purchased something and done even like a splash and dash reno and got under 345. steve are we buying investment properties in winnipeg
0: Is that the game plan now? Not a friggin' chance, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You got to find somebody to manage them. Totally. You got to find someone to manage it. You got to know the area. I don't know. I just, when I view, I did this when I went on my trip last year or a couple years ago now, when all around BC, I just look at those properties that are available, that are affordable. And I think most of my buyers would be like, I'm not living there no matter if you gave it to them, right? Like they, there's almost, like you're saying, there's an expectation now of maybe uh, a spice kitchen and a, and a basement suite and a, whatever all these things are, quartz countertops, it does take a certain person in my market that would be even interested in living in a 1950s bungalow now, which is actually almost the same living standard as today. I mean, we still got dishwashers, we still got all the stuff we need, Um I'm just wondering if people are more receptive to that living style in other cities. Cause I think in Vancouver, they're not right. Like when I tell somebody now that, oh, yeah, you know, that 1980s apartment building you were looking at, it's got no laundry. They're like, what the hell are you talking about? No laundry. Like, yeah, they didn't build, they didn't put laundry in condo buildings till like 1984, 85 here. And people were like, well, that's not acceptable. I'm like, well, that's the one thing in your price range. You're like, okay, I'll keep renting. I'm like, you're going to keep renting for laundry, I guess. But
2: that's How a. Life r- we got. And is I that was just going to no say, laundry th- in the unit, or is that no laundry in the building? It's usually the unit. Usually in the Toronto, unit will be shared laundry.
0: It'll okay. be shared
1: laundry somewhere in the building. Yeah. Generally,
0: but okay. Steve, that's such a good point because it's like, okay, we always talk about the fact, and I guess you can't really argue with the data that like we don't have enough houses. For the population growth and the people that are already here. But we do have a lot for sale right now at this moment in time. There is properties for sale. So I don't think it's just that we don't have enough for sale. It's like we don't have enough for sale at a price that people are interested in. I think that's kind of what it is, or what they could maybe not interested in, but maybe just purely just what they can afford. That's a good assessment. They could there's a lot of renters right now listening to this podcast that could buy a property in the next 30 days if they decided they want to they just don't want to you're sometimes trading down for space and yeah. then paying more and you're like well this sucks because i had this i know i didn't own it but my life was pretty good yeah. and you don't yeah, want to make that that downgrade to pay more money but you could do it to own a property but it you know it it, fe- it feels like you're going backwards. Even though I know financially, if you're willing to hold it for a long time, it will push you forward. We, we all know this. I don't think really anyone disagrees with that over a long period of time. It's even so much further than that, though, Tom, because I'm continuing
1: to get the calls of people who are renting that don't want to stop their rental, that want to buy an investment property for somebody else to rent. I'm getting that call at least once a week now. Well, it's because they're and in, like, are they in rent control. They're in rent control. So why would they move? No, it's yeah. just their lifestyle that they want to maintain where they are. And then I'm like, listen, your tax benefits are garbage for this. Like your your capital it's, gain. It's not you your primary sell, residence. Yeah. Right. Not your primary residence. I'm like, you're going to pay you, you, you like, what is it now? A two cap on where I am right now, if you're lucky, like this is a bad strategy. Like get your principal residence first, but people just aren't willing to do but, it. They don't want to give up the lifestyle. They don't want to give up the dodge steve, pickup payment i still <laughs> i still think We're talking about that- alberta again or what <laughs> no it's here too people dive dodges here too we've got we've got terrible people here too
0: i uh i have no idea what's going on in the truck world so i'll let steve have his fights with people about uh make and models of cars but don't you think that strategy of like let's let's say you're renting and you're comfortable and you could buy your first property as an investment property that's still better than not doing it no If you're going to hold it for a period of time and you can afford to do it and you don't want to mess up your lifestyle, it is, it is. Why? Okay. So if option one is, is just buy it, move into it. Yes. I understand that for capital gains, if you sell in the future, but if they decide that's not happening, option number two is stay where you are, buy a place, rent it out. It's still better than just renting for the next 10 years. If you had a choice. Or if you have a huge lump sum of money, maybe you're just putting in a GIC these days because the the numbers are still pretty good, right? Like it's yeah, still better than your investment alternatives, right? Exactly. Yeah. What's the alternative, Steve? If they're not going to do those first two, what are they going to do? You, I
1: don't understand the question. Like, Here's my question: I have
0: property. And Here's you're, my question: Living it, man. Like no, that's no, no. what you were. Okay, but but let's let's be realistic for a second. There are some renters right now that oh, don't I'm gonna hear me. Stop you. Just
1: hold, the, that, no, no. hold that thought. Hold that thought. I'm the most realistic person you know. Now
0: <laughs> continue. <laughs> people are people that say things about themselves. It's never Except true. Rodgers. You don't have to it's say it Rodgers. about yourself. Anders is the most realistic person than me. What's well, that? None most left. realistic. We're just talking. I, over I don't time. even. You see. You continue just, with your thought. I'm sorry. for you, you you threw me off. I don't even know where I was going with this. Okay, now no, it's coming back. <laughs> if if I'm renting, okay and I can afford to buy something, but I don't like it for myself, but I'm in a good rental situation. There's almost less emotion to it if you buy it as an investment and then rent it out, because you don't actually care if you want to move into it or you like it. And maybe one day you do originally buy it as an investment, but then your life changes. Sure, you rent it out for the first two years, but then you do move into it. It becomes your principal residence. And then from that period forward, you don't pay capital gains. I still think that's that's a realistic option for people. Are you talking people out of doing that?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Regularly, (laughs) no, because the question usually goes, "I'm just shocked at how much money people have," and they're like, "Listen, I've got this hundred, I've got this hundred and fifty, I've got this two hundred and fifty, I've got this three hundred and fifty thousand dollars sitting there. I want to." invest become a real estate investor and i'm like holy crap how much money do you have sitting on the sidelines i can't believe it and but then they go okay well i've got 350 so i'm gonna buy a detached house with a basement suite i'm gonna rent them both out and i'm gonna cash flow and i'm like you're going to cash flow negative <laughs> and they're like what do you mean so they have got all this money but it's not good enough to put 50 percent down on a two-bedroom condo and then actually cash flow It's like I have to stretch myself and I I just, I'm just constantly having the conversation every single week. I'm having the conversation. How much do you want to feed this per month? And that's where it stops. Because people are like, well, this is supposed to be my side gig that's going to help and get me more money into my pocket month to month so I can deal with all this inflation. I'm like, you got a pretty bloody good nest egg right there. Why aren't you taking your 5% on it? But if you're going to invest yeah, it, invest it. But if you've got 350 grand in the bank and you don't own your principal residence, no matter how expensive the property is,
2: there's something wrong. I, yeah, I do think there's a, a disconnect between... You know that that person that's speaking to you and, and believes they're going to cash flow um and reality you know i had one of those appointments this week great past client of mine really intelligent guy looking for an investment um you know has a good amount of equity in his home that he bought in late 2020 it was a new build um and didn't factor in a whole bunch of different things that take away from your net uh, income on a monthly basis right so i run the math for him because he said hey this property looked great like i like the location it's close to us um you know it's actually an apartment style condo um which you know in our marketplace we see a lot less people purchasing condos for rental Um, probably in larger marketplaces that's like the only uh property you're purchasing for rental i didn't even know you
0: guys had condos
2: yeah we have condos but they're um they're not a huge part of the marketplace right right like our residential detached is still the huge meat and potatoes of the market you know and then we will see sing we call it single family attached right but semi-detached i would see be, i think the term why do we all have
0: steve calls it a duplex i call it semi-attached and you call it single family attached it's just very confusing to everybody.
2: It is confusing. It'd be nice for everybody to get on board and call it the same thing, you know, but then we'd have to settle the rancher and bungalow debate. Mm, right. 100% a rancher. <laughs> <laughs> I think or if you're in the States,
1: you
0: say rambler. So really? Yeah. In the States, it's a rambler. Well, that sounds kind of cool, actually. Right. Um, sounds like a car. And there's like a story for you, but I want to, I want to kind of set it up. So, if yeah. I'm moving to Winnipeg and I want to purchase a property for four hundred thousand dollars, and I do not want a condo, mm-hmm. give me an idea. I know we talked about like the unrenowned bungalows uh, or ranchers uh, for or rambler's for three hundred twenty-five thousand. But if I want like I want I have four hundred grand to spend, I want like a you know nice enough place to move in that's like fifteen hundred square feet. I guess can I buy that? Does that exist in a in a safe area to live in that I could raise a, 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 you know, start my family there.
2: 1500. Okay. Maybe Uh, 1200. Yeah. So 1200 it exists. Okay. For sure. Okay. 1200 it exists. It's probably going to be built in the fifties or Mm sixties.
1: It's
2: probably going to have new shingles, new windows, updated kitchen flooring. Um, It may or may not have a recently finished basement. and it's going to be on a 50 by 100 foot lot okay so with a double detached garage maybe so what that gets you in toronto is a
0: parking spot no i'm just kidding what that gets you in toronto (laughs) is a 350 to 400 square foot junior one bed or bachelor condominium in a newer building right like that's the craziness here now the reason i asked you that we actually just signed up a new listing we're putting it on the market in two days she's moving she was from winnipeg originally she's moving back to Winnipeg okay and it was interesting because you know she's made some pretty decent money on her condo in Toronto but it's not a big space it's a you know it's a one bedroom kind of what you would call a starter condo here and and we were talking about okay what's what's the time frame to do this we're gonna get the Toronto condo sold first I think she's actually going to Winnipeg early March to see properties I would have sent her to you but she was referred to me from a Winnipeg agent so you know can't get across there but where I'm going with this and in this long kind of preamble is that she was talking with me and going like, I'm just so frustrated because my budget's 400 grand. I want to go back to Winnipeg and get rid of a chunk of my mortgage. My budget's 400 grand and I can't believe how much it costs to go back to Winnipeg from what she remembered previously because she's been in Toronto for five years. And so it's just so interesting, day. right? Like, like even going from a market where you're trading a one-bed condo for a 1,200-square-foot, two, three-bedroom, maybe finished basement on a 50-foot lot, still people people that knew what it was like before going like, well, I thought I'd get a little bit more for this budget coming back.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the 1,650-square-foot home that we built in 2016 for ourselves, my wife and I, Mm -hmm. in a new home development. We purchased for three fifty. dollars 2016. Yeah, double-attached garage, 1650 square foot, three-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath, right? New build. So over the seven years we were there, six-and-a-half years we were there, we did the landscaping, uh, put appliances into it, some window coverings, nothing crazy expensive for window coverings. And arguably, we should have probably sold it in... um, in 2022 um, when, when we contracted on our new build that I'm sitting in now. This episode of the Tom Story Show is brought to you
1: by the story team at Royal LePage Signature in Toronto, Ontario. Although he's here on the recording with me right now and I don't like saying nice things about him to his face, Tom and his team, well, they are probably your best pick if you are looking to buy or sell residential real estate in downtown Toronto. Let's face it, probably the city of Toronto itself. Tom, make a strange face if that's wrong. That is correct. That is correct. All right, we are good to go. So if you are looking for one of, if not the top agent in downtown Toronto for your residential real estate needs, condos, semis, Mm -hmm. detached, if you're looking to upsize or downsize, give Tom and his team a call.
0: And Tom, how would they get in touch with you? I think the best thing would be go to the first link in the description uh, of this episode and you can book a call with me at a time that works for you and uh, we'll go over all the information you need and, and see if we can be of service.
1: And I recommend if you are listening to this from across the country and you're either moving to Toronto or if you're an agent outside of Toronto and you have a client moving to Toronto, go ahead and book a call with Tom because he would love to take your referral as well. That is the story team at Royal Page Signature in Toronto, Ontario. He's a pretty good guy. He knows what he's doing. Just don't tell him. I said so tom the last part we need to do before the end uh this
0: communication is not intended to breach cause any breach what's that that was (laughs) you want me to say it (laughs) i don't know what the word is it i don't even know what the words are this communication
1: is not intended to cause or induce breach of any existing
2: agency agreement and now back to the show uh, um but uh we waited till February 23 um still sold for 550 right um so roughly two hundred thousand dollar lift over you know a a six and a half year holding period uh, but most of that lift came 2019 or 2020 mm-hmm. through to 2022 and then you lost some of it in 2023. Right, so that five year horizon that your client is looking at it from—that's what happened. Yeah, things have changed a lot in that five years.
0: And you know, it's interesting too—is—is is on the Toronto side of things, not—not not from 2016, but if you bought a Toronto condo mid 2018 to 2019, and you're trying to sell it today, in most circumstances, because what happened with the pandemic and everything with the rates and the condo market downtown, it hasn't changed that much. Mm-hmm. But if you bought yeah, it here. 5 years before that, you would have doubled your money. So hmm. so people hearing like, you know, uh you know, that's a great story, buy in 2016. I guess percentage-wise you went up like 25 whatever it ended up being yeah, 30 30 something percent on 350, right? It's yeah, uh, a good chunk. 57. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, so I was way off. So crazy growth, but but that's not something someone can buy in Winnipeg today and go Six years from now, I'm gonna. my house is going to be at 57%. That's just not going to happen again based on these interest rates.
2: No, no. There's not room for that to happen
0: based on rates. Right. What are people I mean, expecting when they're buying it? Do they expect growth because of what
2: you saw for that short period of time? The general expectation still is growth for sure. Um, and I, I expect growth in prices. What do you think? You know, I, I don't necessarily have a specific number. Okay, but I look at the number of people who sat on the sidelines for 18 to 20 some odd months. I look at the fact that we have not constructed a whole lot of homes in the interim. Um, And I look at the fact that we still have a, a significantly growing population. Right. And I mean, I know, you know, don't want to be the the stereotypical realtor that says, well, we don't have enough supply, but I mean, we don't have enough supply. <laughs> it, it, it's evident. Um, you know, and, and I think the number is we have the lowest supply per capita in the entire G7. Hmm. Right. And that's housing units total, not, yeah, you know, single family detached homes or condos, or it includes rental. It's, it's everything. Right. I think the most in the G7 is is France and they have like 540. We have 440. I think is hmm. roughly the numbers per 1000 uh, 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 citizens, right? Right. or 1000 residents, I guess.
0: It's interesting cuz even in in your market that you know most Okay, listen, people from my market, people from Steve's market, even people from Calgary these days, they're on their high horse cuz they've had their their mm-hmm. nice little lift. They're like, "Oh, Winnipeg's cheap." But, but people in Winnipeg want to have separate entrances to their basement so that they can rent that out. Like every market is kind of getting to the point now that you have to be creative and you can't be snobby about the fact that, you know, you might have to rent out a piece of your house to,
2: to get what you want. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, Winnipeg being perceived as cheap, right. Is, um, uh, when you live in Winnipeg or have lived in Winnipeg for a long time, um, or you you know your family's been here a long time
1: mm.
2: you think everything's expensive yep right because that is that is your um, you know experience your experience is tied to what the market is like here you know you're not coming from um, downtown Vancouver you're not coming from Calgary and looking at it and going oh well I can get 500 more square feet for the same price
0: mm-hmm I was right. going to
2: say, people probably still complain no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, they do. <laughs> people have a tendency to do
0: that. So your, your third generation as a real estate agent, which is kind of unique, I'm curious, you know, your parents, the grandparents, all the other generations, they've seen all these cycles happen and they've seen... Mm-hmm way higher interest rates than we're complaining about now was was there any guidance from them to you by saying like not just you selling real estate but you know being someone that invests in real estate that you know this is just kind of how things work and yeah. and
2: don't be worried and this is how it happens and yeah it, there are market cycles right? right and i mean you know the story that that my dad i do a lot of business with my dad because he and i are new home sales partners and for the clients who are building new, who are selling their home, who are not working with a realtor and have questions about market value and, and a marketing strategy, we do lots of evaluations. Mm. And one of the stories that he tells a lot during those evaluations is, you know, maybe your home hasn't appreciated as much as you'd hoped over the last two years, um, but it's appreciated enough that you're covering your costs of selling. You're putting some money in your pocket. You have a little bit more money down on the next house. You know, whereas in the early nineties, I did a lot of these evaluations mm. and you may have purchased your home six years before, and it is worth the same or less than you paid and by the way, you still have transaction costs right yeah so it is um always uh you know w- whenever something is is uh happening that is um you know, extreme in one direction, you know, the, the comment like this too shall pass is very good to, to keep in mind, right? Because cycles happen, things change. And so, yeah, there was, there was definitely guidance there.
0: Steve, one of the first episodes, or maybe it was like in our first 10 episodes of this podcast, we had Melanie on from Fort McMurray. Their peak of the market is still 2012 to this day. 2012 was there, and and a lot of people are underwater. I remember when we were talking about how we send the video CMAs to our clients to let them know what's going on with pricing. And, and Andrew Russell, who's also been on, on the podcast from Red Deer was like, what if their house is worth a hundred grand less? Like, do you still send them updates on that? It's gotten worse. And having those tough conversations, um, you know, when things aren't going great is frankly something that in our markets, we didn't have to do for a long time. It was like, hey, Steve, guess what? Your house is worth 100 grand more. Congrats. Yeah. My first
1: years in real estate, though, like I got, they, they were downward. I sold lots of properties where two and three and four years later, they were losing 15, 20%, right? Like, were you that helping, was... that
0: you help them buy and sell yeah. though? Mm-hmm. Okay. So in like,
1: let's say 2010, I would sell somebody a condo for 220. It wasn't uncommon in 2013 to sell it for 179. Like it was real. That happened. Yeah. So um I remember actually one in particular. I sold it to her for two thirty and we helped her sell it for two ten. I want to say she was in that place for three and a half years. And <clears throat> I mean at that time you're talking almost a twenty percent drop or sorry, a ten percent drop. But again, she bought her fully detached house for So Mm -hmm. that's now a 1.6. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, living it long enough, we definitely don't go through the boom and bust like a Fort McMurray. And I would assume that as soon as you get to smaller and smaller towns, the boom and bust can vary greatly.
2: Yeah. and, And even in Winnipeg, which is, you know, greater metro population of 800 and some odd thousand, um, we don't see quite the same Boom and bust, either. Right. Like we're pretty, the way I describe it to people coming in from out of town is that, you know, we're relatively boring. You know, things are going to increase a few percent, things are going to decrease a few percent. Um, You know, we don't see the, like, I think, was it 2017? The Toronto market went off a cliff like 20% or something in six months, right? It went in the first four months of
0: 2017, our prices increased 26%. In the first four months of the year. And then? It's wild. And then foreign buyer tax, rent control, (laughs) and a laundry list of other things came in. And actually, you know what? Made a difference. Didn't stop condo prices from going up, but really pushed everything else down. Because psychologically, people are like, oh my God, the government stepped in here. This was getting bad. Let's cool the jets.
2: So when someone's purchasing a condo in Toronto, um, Mm -hmm. do you have a mandatory cooling off period? Not for resale. For pre-construction, yes. Pre-construction, he yes. Is. Steve, okay, so do- Steve has mandatory for everything. Y- yeah, BC is the most regulated real estate market probably in the world. Um, probably, we don't <laughs> need to get Steve. With fees, by the way, with the lowest fees. Yeah, it is true. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, here in in Winnipeg, like condos haven't really seen a lot of price appreciation relative to detached or semi attached But or it makes sense, like, right? Hold. It makes it sense. And it, it totally does. And part of that is when you write an offer to purchase on a resale or new build condo. Okay. And you yeah. have an accepted offer to purchase. There is a mandatory seven day cooling off period. For resale? Resale. yeah. So there is a mandatory seven day cooling off period where you can review all of the documents. Wow. Right. Bylaws, budgets, meeting notes, yeah. all the stuff. And if for any reason you want out, you're out, right? No harm, no foul. So how do you structure a multiple offer scenario for a condo? You can't. So that's only condo resale. Wait, but freehold doesn't count? Uh, No. So like single family, um, single family home, no mandatory cooling off period. Why is it for resale? I, I don't understand that. Well, it's resale and new. Um, why is it new? Resale?
0: New, I can actually understand, though. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. Resale. It's like you can
2: see it. It's right there. That's what it is. Do your due diligence. I think part of the challenge is that there and, you know, I may be coming at this from a Winnipeg perspective, but um, probably rightly so. Um, there were a lot of buildings that were apartment flipped into condo. Wow, interesting. Okay. wood frame walk up three story uh, that may have been flipped into condo thirty years ago. And it had been a tendency by people on the board and and the people living in the condo unit to not want to fund the reserve very aggressively. Mm-hmm. okay? And so now I got this building that's 50, 60 years old. Um, it needs significant improvements. There's no money in the reserve, and we have large special assessments. Right? I think part of the reason, because the Condo Act, I th- I'm not going to remember my dates here, but I think it was 2012. It was updated, uh, and so that brought in a lot of these requirements, and it, uh, you know, forced people to like actually take a look at these things right? And then we had a mandatory uh, or a change to our reserve fund study requirements. So Mm -hmm. reserve fund studies didn't used to be mandatory. Mm -hmm. Like you didn't have to have one. So, you know, you're buying a condo, you have some idea of the financial health of the condo corp, but not any idea of, okay, when does the parking lot need to be resurfaced? How much does that cost? Have we been putting away enough money for that, right? So when you're buying a condo, you're buying a more complicated asset in a, like in a sense yep. than a single family home. Yet the people purchasing a condo typically by virtue of price point are those with the least amount of experience.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. It's interesting that we didn't really have those converted apartments. There's not that many, like our condos started in the late eighties yeah. on Bay street. And then, and then and we still, you know, in, in today's market, cause it's slower you're still getting a five-day financing and a three-day status review by the lawyer. So we're doing all those things anyways. It's just uh, when the market was hot, you do it before the offer date.
1: What a perfect segue into our very last thing to talk about here, Tom's story. Speaking of conversions, what is this I hear about? Is it 69 Young Street, 3 King Street East? Does that sound familiar? I have no idea what you're talking about.
2: There no, is a Toronto
1: building, there's an office building in Toronto that's old. That has been flagged for conversion. Oh. Have you am I breaking Toronto real estate news to Tom, sorry? Did you not put this in the show notes? Do I not I just saw it in my news feed right
2: now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw this earlier today. Um yeah. this is hang on let me read it uh the once gleaming headquarters of canadian pacific railway at 69 young and three king east uh have been somewhat approved or at least the first steps in getting an exemption into
0: residence it is currently an office tower and that's going to keep happening i saw very interesting interesting interview when we were in new york for inman talking about a company that specifically did this but they were saying like there's just so many differences that to just say one day all this office space becomes residential is not really realistic either it's going to be a small percentage but if it can help housing in some way and you're cool with not having a balcony in your new condo because those office buildings don't have balconies then i guess it can't be a bad thing this, this can only be a good thing right if, if we're all saying we need more housing it's it's there and it's empty right now or 17% of downtown
1: office space is sitting empty. Apparently according to this article,
0: I thought it would have been more than that actually really empty no, or just not least empty or not leased? because there's lots quick. of things that are leased that people aren't showing up to the office still.
1: I, uh, the original submission included 14 studio condos, 65, one bedrooms, 27, two bedrooms and 21 three bedrooms with no on-site
0: parking well it's located at the end of young
1: street nine i have no idea where
0: that is i mean one young street is 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 the water so it's it's right downtown in the core so no parking wouldn't be an issue really not really um interesting Uh but who's going to well, buy that building a bunch of investors video coming on Tom story, a bunch of investors or a bunch of end units, a bunch of investors are going to buy those units and rent them out. And that's probably what's going to happen. The final thing I want to wrap this all up on is I find that, uh, I feel like just because of our community, like how we all know each other and we're, we sh- we share everything and we're, we're open with each other and what happens. But a lot of the real estate industry is still like this closed off little box. And we all look at each other as competitors Just want to share like a a story that maybe the public can hear about us as real estate agents that will make them like us a little bit more. So (laughs) I I mean, I'll get, I'll do my best. Um, I, uh, we had clients uh, that we, uh, we took out and showed quite a few properties to one day. Uh, And as we were wrapped up the the last showing, uh, they were driving home and they stopped at two open houses on the way home because they just saw them and they walked in. I knew both... I knew both of the agents that had these listings, but I got an email from both of those agents saying, "Saying, hey, just so you know, your client stopped by our open house, and they seemed like they are interested. I wanted to give you a heads up." Mm-hmm. They were telling me they weren't trying to steal our clients away from us, and yes, we already had a buy representation signed and all that stuff, but it wasn't like, oh, you know, you're working with them. No, like just come to us directly. Like, there's not as much of that going on anymore. What's interesting is that. These are top agents that do a good amount of business. These aren't the people trying to get by. That every sale is is their, is their livelihood. So I just wanted to share that because I think a lot of people think different about our industry. Like we do work together and try to make things happen. I had the same thing, and now that guy is
1: doing relentless follow up
0: because there's a lot of
1: motivation on the part of the seller. So yeah, it's. Maybe, yeah, I mean, it happens. People are, people cooperate again, but is that because that's old? School agent, those are agents that have been in the business five, 10, 15 years. They're not generally yeah. speaking yeah, yeah. the new guys. I'm I'm terrified for the new guys that don't understand. Like, do you know how hard it is to get, and I apologize if you guys do this, but do you know how hard it is to get people to turn off the lights, lock the doors properly, and leave the business card behind so my clients knew that you were in the home? Do you know how hard
0: that is to get them I, to do? I can tell you how hard it is because we we just signed up a house listing downtown that was listed at the end of last year, and I asked her what was the issues last time where you have and like, you know, and her number one thing was like the real estate agent wouldn't come and check on the house. And it was left open several times.
2: So is it easier or harder to get people to lock the door than to actually show up within an hour of their scheduled window? <laughs> lock the door happens more often than they show up on time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cause that's, you know, that's the challenge that, that we experience, And I mean, um, I don't know what agent counts you know have either gone up or down for you guys since the market has changed right Mm. but our our agent count has gone up significantly in the last um let's say four or five years we used to have a full-time rule here so you could only derive uh income from real estate sales you couldn't have other t4 income if you're a realtor right That was deemed to be uh anti competitive, um, you know, because it it restricted the number of registrants. And so now, you know, anyone can can be a realtor. Um, and I guess what I would say is just that um because there are more individuals who are maybe not doing quite the same uh volume um and in it every day, right? It's really important to um know who you're working with right and um yeah we're we're seeing some of those issues that we did not have before. I think the uh we're just seeing it just because there's
1: no mentorship, right? Somebody signs up at an online brokerage, nobody knows who the heck they are. they don't know who their own managing broker is. There's nobody showing them how to show a home, nobody showed how to show a home, nobody's shown how to. I had to send for us It's touch base send a test touch base message, show up the property, have an expectation of who's going to be there when, how to turn lights on, how to turn lights off, like the littlest stuff that should be easy on how to present a home to a buyer and then leave it safe for the seller at the end of the day. I think all that
2: stuff is gone in our industry. I think it's all gone. And that's unfortunate because, um, you know, we need to have uh, a much more positive, um, perception of our industry among the public. Right. Um, I, I truly believe that what I do, uh, helps people. Right. Um, I, I don't want to have somebody's opinion of what we do colored by, you know, a bad experience that they've had. Right. Um. We've been yeah. preaching this a lot recently. If you're good at
0: what you do, find a way to tell more people without it being egotistical because I'd rather you work with them than than them experience a bad experience from someone else, right? Like that's we've 100%. really been talking a lot about this recently. Um that was fun. That was awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on for for the people that are making the move to Winnipeg or already live in Winnipeg and just want to connect with you, what's the best place for them to go?
2: Yeah, best place to go is probably just to our website, which is Filesfredrickson.com, um, nice. or you, know, you can quickly Google Anders Fredrickson and I'll be right there, Steve. Uh, final thoughts for our audience, uh, this lovely week? Um,
1: I think both your hockey teams are not as good as my hockey team.
0: <laughs> I mean, if that's if true, I don't even know if that's true right now. Actually, Standing, uh, that's a pretty wild statement in the standings that might technically be true at the moment, but hmm. um. But who cares about this? Who cares about the numbers, Steve? You know, who I cares? mean, we could win pres-
1: president's trophies constantly and then get the Stanley Cup ripped away from us. It's fine. It will happen.
0: Um, thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. We'll see you next week and have an amazing day. Bye.